Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to Brooko Mode. In this episode, I'm joined by Isaac Davidson, strength and conditioning coach and founder of Perform HQ. A very passionate and knowledgeable man, we explored some of his journey and insights as a coach and business owner. Expect to learn more about the vision of Perform HQ and why he started it, the ups and downs of starting a business, reframing limiting beliefs and the importance of taking off the handbrake, what athletes can do to maximize their performance, using mindset as an athlete and coach, the art of learning more, but also applying your knowledge into the real world and much, much more. Let's get into it. I didn't really know how to tell people what was happening. You've got to start living life. It's not going to last forever. If you've got something nice to say, say it. It's such a negative world. Why don't we start changing the way we talk? No, I've never been scared of dying. Stop judgment for curiosity. If you love yourself and the important people in your life love you, then that's all you really need. What is Isaac Davidson's why? Jesus. Um, it's a hard one off the start. Uh, I think my why has been like the ability to equip people with the tools to do what they want to do. So I think probably the best analogy, I'll probably use a lot of training analogies, but like for me, sorry, for, for me, um, like early in my career, I started as a PT, 18, 19 or whatever. Got out of it. Most PTs and that you'll get out of like Cert 3, Cert 4 and you'll start and you'll be like, ah, crap. Don't really know what I'm doing. Um, and from there, it kind of sparks a bit of like a drive trying to obviously try and find as much information, education, try and find the best knowledge that I can to try and help people. And that's where it kind of really evolved is like I remember starting out training and it's like you start out, you like you pick up a dumbbell for the first time, you start moving it a little bit and it's like, yeah, this feels great. Get a bit of a pump, feel amazing. But then you start to push and push and push and push and all of a sudden something starts to hurt or you get unmotivated, whatever it might be. So my biggest thing has always been to try and grab as much knowledge as I can to yeah, equip people with the right tools. So then 
when these kids are coming in at 17, 18, 19, for us, obviously, you're trying to play sport and try, play sport at a high level, rather than them having to waste time, I can literally go through and grab what the pros and all the good high-level SNCs are doing, and I can apply it with these kids, and I can give them what they need, and they're not getting to 18, 19, 20, and getting injuries and burning out, all that kind of stuff. They're getting managed properly, so... That was a long-winded answer of, I guess, yeah, it's just to equip people with the, the right tools and um, find the absolute best knowledge possible because it's, it's hard to find. Did that why come from your own sporting experiences, something you wish you had earlier? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, yeah. I played rugby my whole life since I was five years old um, and I was always that kid who was like on the verge, made some of the low-level like sunny coast rep teams and stuff like that, but um, never really kind of went all the way with it, had the ambitions to, but... And then, yeah, it's kind of made a bit of a spark for me to try and, um, yeah, equip others with it. Because I know the feeling, like I've moved over to WA four or five years ago um, and within 12 months I was with the Rugby WA Academy. And you see all these young boys and they're like ambitious, they're keen, but you can see there's just so many tools missing in the toolbox to get them all the way. So I think for me it's a bit of a, yeah, comes back to what I've wanted to do. Take us through that. PT journey and I guess going down that path and then sort of realising that, you know, you want to go your own way with it. In what sense? So, like, you started doing a personal training course, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you went down strength and conditioning. Is that – how sort of different is that? Because I'm – Yeah, so there's a little bit of a time difference between the two. So, I, I started in the industry when I was, like, 18, 19. Um, finished that four over in Queensland and then from there – yeah, like came out of it, felt very imposter syndrome, felt very much like didn't know enough, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's when I started to seek the education, but it was more when I travelled over to WA um, and had a bit of a shift in perspective, shift in opportunity and got into strength and conditioning. But my old job was travelling the world through a company, educating other personal trainers, biochem, physiology, all this kind of stuff. So I had this really good background of base level knowledge um, and then I was able to equip that into the strength and conditioning stuff. So was, I was quite lucky where most people go to their sports science. You just focus on sports science and that's it. Whereas I've learned about nutrition, biochem, physio, like all that kind of deeper stuff um, and learned about heart, health markers, heart rates, um, HIVs, all that kind of stuff and was able to, yeah, transition that baseline knowledge of working with the gen pop, working with – I worked a lot of the personal trainers as well and then put that into – the knowledge that I've got with the young athletes now. So, yeah, it was a bit of an interesting journey through. But Is is that imposter syndrome what drived you to seek out further education? Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's but also just a bit of a personality trait in terms of like wanting to, yeah, wanting to do the absolute best. Like it's always been a driver to try and achieve as much as you possibly can. And, um, yeah, I think it was, it was, it was definitely part of it. There's definitely that sensation. I know a lot of PTs will agree with this. Like you'll get out of Cert 3 and 4 and that's why there's a big, I know it's hyped on a fair bit, but like the rotation of people that come through the industry is quite hectic at the moment. Um, but it is like you get out and you're given this freelance and all of a sudden you get given these humans in front of you and you're like, sweet, get them fit, get them, tra- all that kind of stuff. And you're like, if a lot of them were honest, they were like, I don't know how to. I got taught some baseline anatomy. I got taught a little bit of how to do some exercises, but even the deepest core, like it's not, how to train people properly so it's yeah it's one of those things where you just you get out and you're like oh god i've got someone's health in my hands and you hear some horror stories um and yeah i've essentially got someone's health in my hands like i want to make sure i look after this person 
as best as I can. So, so where did the vision from Perform materialize? So it was, so I was, yeah, come through the whole personal training route, all that journey they had through there. When I came over here, it was very rugby specific when I started up. Um, so I started the Rugby WA Academy, had like my own brand, which is Rugby SC, which is very niche. And then I think for me, my thing has always been like, I feel like if you had, if a trainer had the right knowledge, they could get any, like anybody to where they want to go. I think it, like it's not just an SNC realm, it's like anybody. So like I didn't feel good in me and what I wanted to achieve of just going down to one small niche. Like I think there's a lot of realms and even in SNC, there's a lot of certain sections of SNC that could like improve a lot on the strength and conditioning side of things. Um, and for us, it was very much just trying to broaden out as much as we possibly can across that spectrum and try and help as many athletes as we possibly can because from nutrition to training it's one of those things that's not very nurtured all the way through like you'll have your local local sport they'll come through some of the good crop will get into the academy systems and all that kind of stuff and if they're lucky they'll stay in there for a while and they'll go through the high level but there's a whole layer of talent that sit underneath those academy systems and all that kind of stuff that if they just got taught how to eat properly if they got taught how to recover how to manage their stress how to train properly, um, you'd be pretty surprised at what they can achieve. So I think it was a little bit of that underdog trying mm. to spread out, help as many people as you can, but also just like make it a fair level playing field. And like one of our big, um, what's the word, like mission statements is like improve the standard of strength and conditioning or help us in, in like with a lot of others, not just us, but as a group collectively improve the standard of strength and conditioning or athletic performance in WA. So, so the, the gap between professionals and amateurs isn't that as profound as you think. It's basically due to the access that they have to th- greater coaching. I think so. Like it's it's obviously give and take, but I think there is there's a there's a decent crop, and you'll hear it. Like you go to barbecues, you go to parties, wherever it might be, and you'll chat to those people. And like yeah, like I could have made it, could have done this, had my ACL done, did this, did that. It's like there's that crop that like genuinely, and you, you listen to the stories, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, well that's why. And obviously you can't predict anything, but like that's why you injured yourself or that's why you weren't fit enough or that's why it's like from someone who's objective in our industry, from a strength conditioning perspective, you can sit back and obviously with a grain of salt look at it and go, all right, cool, like I can, we can improve your fitness. Like we can improve, like, again, a good example is like contact sport. Like a lot of guys can be fearful into contact sports. So it's like, all right, how do we set scenarios and drills to help you improve that? Or how do we give you the physical strength and the, confidence in yourself to go out and achieve that so it's like i think and you'll agree like the mental side of thing is mm. huge and i think that's a big part in sport and we are not skills coaches or psychologists or anything like that but i think what we do instills a lot of confidence and ticks a lot of boxes and and can help some really good athletes get up to that next level and yeah essentially some of those underdogs perform seems very hands-on practical like you said is that part of your identity like very intentional with the training very yeah. sport specific and yeah yeah um yeah i think it is very hands-on and like that goes back to my thought process initially it's like when you give someone the right tools they can go very far and i'm a big believer in this and i think it's just it's my like i love training people like i generally love training people and i find a lot of drive in like the details of training because i think as a whole and I still associate obviously with the personal training side of things. SNC is obviously a different realm in itself, but like as a whole realm, we're trying to far, like get faster, 
get more people through the door. We're trying to systemize things. And like, I feel like that touch of detail is starting to fall out the window. And I say with my guys all the time, it's like little things like the phone's away. Like um, when we're on, we're on. Like we're switching on, we're focused on the client, we're focused on what's going on and the smaller details. And my crew's very good with it. And that's what we've just built up over time. Um, and obviously them is their own personalities. But I think, yeah, like the detail within training can make a huge difference. So do you feel like as the business grows and you can sort of lose touch on the, like the tiny things that made you like very good at what you do? 100%. And that's what I'm in that realm right now. Like I'm in a bit of a debacle now where we're obviously growing and expanding and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting back and I'm training people less and less and less. And it's like my love is dropping less and less. And it's like, so it is, it's like that, yeah, that detail side of things is, is huge. So, Do you think it's important like for these amateur athletes to make them feel like they deserve to get the most out of themselves? Because a lot of them don't feel like they do because they're not in these high level teams and they don't get to reach their ceilings because they don't have access to these high coaches and these systems but you giving them an opportunity to find their best makes them it's just it makes them feel like they can reach their potential yeah and like that i think that's the biggest thing as well is like and you think back to it when you're i don't know how old are you 22 22 well yeah so you're a bit younger as well but even when you're 18 19 20 it's like I don't know, you guys, you spoke to a few AFL boys and like I know for us, the rugby boys and stuff like that, when you're in that realm of like 17, 18, 19, it's the most exciting time. Like the opportunity is through the roof. But obviously, you know, as you get older in sport, it starts to drop and drop and drop. Like they they look at it like kids at like 18, 19, 20. That's kind of the crop they pick from. If you start to get over that, it's like oh, a little bit older. They've got to be quite unique kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think giving people that opportunity, um, yeah, is yeah is quite big so sorry i forgot the question designing out there yeah it was more about like allowing athlete or like the amateur athlete so let's say last year for example i'm playing at north beach and it isn't very professional in the sense that it's an it's an amateur club and you almost you know there's not big emphasis on there's no gym there there's not that sort of programming so it's very because i have all the freedom in my hands Mm -hmm it can be hard to actually implement a good training program and feel like because you're an amateur level, the, the internal story, the self story is like, oh, should I even be doing this? Like, what's the point? I'm only playing amateur level sport, but you're creating sort of that environment, that culture that's like, well, let's see what you can do. Let's get the best out of you. This is a really fun and rewarding journey. Like I'm here to provide you this. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I'm going with it. Um, yeah, like those kids that are quite young, you feel like your opportunity's there. That's what I was trying to get on yeah. to. It was like, you feel like your opportunity's there, but then once you get past that, it's kind of lost. But it's like, it's definitely not. Um, and it, a lot of people surprise themselves in what they can do. Um, and when you, yeah, like if you're unfortunately you're that kid that's on the brink and you don't make it into the academy systems, you don't make it into these drafts or anything like that, it's like, it's like, oh, there's my opportunity. It's like, does it? It's like, I feel like, yeah. And we, we've had a lot of talent come into it. We're lucky. Like, and I hope our facilities that look just just like the highest level of athlete like we've got all grades of sport from the highest international through to like second third fourth grade as well like but anybody that comes through and most of them haven't really done proper strength and conditioning before they surprise themselves and then it's like it's crazy once they start to install a bit of confidence in themselves and like oh okay like i couldn't lift that last time but now i can lift that and now i can sprint and now i've got better technique and you can see the confidence start to instill in themselves so i think it is it's like that's one of our big drivers is like trying to 
as as long as it's going to take and as tough as it's going to be, like we want to provide that opportunity across the entirety of WA. Like we want that. If you don't have the SNC down at your local club, then sweet, we'll we'll provide you with it. And whatever happens on your Tuesday, Thursday training, you let us know what goes on, whether you do a lot of training or a little training, and we'll work around that like the professionals get and we'll give you that service. So, yeah. So is that sort of the vision for Perform, like in terms of your impact? Yeah, I think so. I think it's very much providing that facility opportunity and I think it even goes beyond that. It's like you ask anybody why they play sport. And so there's obviously the desires to go high and achieve and everything like that. But um, it's also like the sportsmanship, like the team, the team environment. Like that's one thing. Like our, my coach has done very well in there. Like we've done collectively as a group. It's like you just build this environment that people really enjoy being at. Because it's one thing to give you all the SNC and train you really hard, but sport is mentally taxing. It's quite, um, it's quite demanding. Um, it requires a lot of energy, a lot of intention, everything like that. So to give you that environment at the same time where we'll push you, but at the same time we'll pull you back and go, Matt, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Um, you look a little bit tired today. We might pull you back. Like, let's work on everything at once. So is building those relationships a massive part of Perform? Yeah. And because I feel like when you have a really good relationship with a coach, you can be mates, but also like, there's the, the huge amount of respect and trust in what they're telling you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. That's a big one. Is like the trust side of things, and I think belief, belief, trust, all those kind of things will tie into each other a fair bit. So if we can get you on that page, where it's like you can tell me anything, you know, you can trust me with anything, but I'll also have you back, and I will also push you. Like if you want to achieve this, this is what we're going to do. These are the standards, but at the same time, I'll, I'll be your mate, and I'll take you through it at the same time. So. I think that personality side of things and people can see it from the outside. Like it's not a front, like we try and make it fun. We try and make it enjoyable. We put on the combines like we got this weekend. Like we try and do these things for the athlete to make it a really fun environment um, and make a journey that can be two, three, four, five years in the making. How do you get someone to turn up every day to the exact same location? Like it's got to be enjoyable. It's got to be fun. So from, from the external it seems like perform very, very successful, but I feel like in for you in your own journey, it would would be a long. Was it? A, is, has it been a long grind? A lot of like because because yeah. I rock up to perform the first time, and and all you know is like I just see see that one time like oh fuck yeah. they're killing it, yeah. But you don't see like all the time and dedication. So yeah, I'm sort of interested in, in the the hardest parts of that journey. All of it. It's everything, man. Like, I think I touched on it before in terms of, like, one thing for me personally was, like, you're trying to grow, you're trying to achieve this, you're trying to reach as many people as you can. But then, like, for me personally, I'm just going to talk about me personally for a second, but, like, that struggle of you have something that you love, but then, obviously, you like, you know, to build a business, you've got to do social media, you've got to do emails, you've got to do marketing, you've got to do all these kind of things. And at the moment, like, I do 90% of that. So it's like you start to pull away um, from what you love. So, like, that's a struggle in itself. And then it's also like, um, like even like, yeah, I guess. So it's like all the things that 
come all the things that come along with the things you like you like all the marketing social media side isn't your sort of cup of tea that's not where you get your joy from but yeah it's part of the it's what it's allows you to process, do what you yeah. do and this is it's all of it. it's like it's the overtime that we got to do like being realistic like strength and condition like you look at personal training and training the general population like being quite honest from a marketing standpoint versus strength and conditioning it's a lot more money in in personal training gen pop and stuff like that than there's an snc from a private sector standpoint so it's like it's that grind of like we've got a lot of these people that struggle financially, like they can't afford high level personal training all the time. So we've got to mould ourselves to these guys and try and make it affordable, make it like, but also give them the top tier service. So it's like from there, and that's also a part of business. Like it's, it, it drives what we need to do. So like that can take time to get things off the floor. And then it's obviously like, um, yeah, other areas in terms of just like, what else? <laughs> Um, but even like the team side of things, like getting everyone up to date and up to what we need to do, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve, keep your team, your staff motivated at the same time. Like um, we obviously, we have a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment, but at the same time, um, yeah, you just want to make it one of those things where they're enjoying it, they're having fun. Um, and yeah. When did you bring people into your team? Uh, it was three months in with Keith was the first one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's been unreal, like absolutely unreal. Um, he came in, we both, excuse me, we both, um, were at UWA rugby team together, small little Keith, full of energy, full bubbly. Um, and he heard that I was doing SNC, opening a gym, he's finishing sports science. He's like, oh, can I, can I come, can I come help? Can I come watch? And like very much, he gets it from his old man. His old man's like very successful businessman and he's, he's, brought a lot of that on board where like he understands he's got a very good work ethic like one of the best i've seen but in conjunction with one of the best trades was a big heart as well at the same time so like he came on about three months in um and it was literally me and him grinding it out for like the first 12 months um and it was a lot of it was a lot of hours it was a lot of getting off the floor it was a lot of extras um but i think he was the best combination with me because the whole build of the gym was quite stressful and quite short time frame and a lot of demands and painting walls till 2am and all that kind of like doing all the reno side of things and we didn't have the money so I had to do a lot of the stuff ourselves so like I was burnt out by the time the gym even opened so then you had this big bubbly energetic Keith that came in it was like the yin to the yang and we kind of helped each other and he brought me up along the way so he was massive um, throughout it so yeah he was first to come on board. So what's like, so how, what sort of time frame I'm interested? Because I feel like, you know, just having a chat here, bring it back, <laughs> bring it back to me. Because I'm just trying to get away from trying to always interview. But That's fine. for me, like, like I, this hasn't even been a year, the stuff I'm doing, right? Yeah. And things are growing, but it's, it's a, it's a long, a long process. Yeah. So I'm interested in what's your best advice for, managing the grind <laughs> the that stress it, the grit the grind that it uh, is um i think it's it's always going to be that there's a couple of things i think one of the big ones <laughs> she wanted me to give her a shout out my partner but <laughs> which is realistic at the same time i think the first one's obviously perspective um like my partner's a nurse and we all know that nurses can like tolerate like she'll come home and be like all right this person's passed away or this happened to this person i just held this person they were terminally ill with cancer i had to deal with this other person who was abusing me da, da 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 and she'd come home each day and tell me about her day and then she'd be like sweet how are you are you okay and i'm like 
Jesus, like I train people, like it's a bit of perspective has been mm. unreal. Um, uh, I think be okay with wanting to give up. <laughs> like I'd, like you, you do, you struggle a fair bit, you burn out, you spin the tires, um, but you want, as soon as you again put that perspective, you put that wire back into your mind. And I'm also a big believer of just like just continuing to turn up. Like even though you don't feel good, it doesn't feel very well, like you you want to just go home and lay in bed all day. There's probably a few of those days that will pop up. Like I think the more that you turn up and just keep going and keep going and keep going, um, you'll start to build some really cool momentum. And it was like that for us. Like I honestly reckon it was like maybe six months ago that I felt like we were moving forward, which like for everybody else, they'll be like, oh, you guys are killing it. Busy, lots of people, that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, you look at it from the inside. It's like it, it's it's a grind and you're trying to push things and move things forward and you take steps back and steps forwards and um, you learn a lot along the way. But yeah, I think that's been a couple of things for me is like perspective, pushing back to that why, but then also just being okay with those those days that are like, yeah, it's not, doesn't, don't, like, yeah, burning out, all that kind of stuff, so. Do you look back on those late nights and sort of the, I guess, the earlier times, the grind periods, and I guess when you commit during those hard times, my sort of thing is, like, if you can commit fully during those hard times, like, when it's easy and things are going well, it'll be quite easy, like, mm-hmm. in terms, like, sh- like you said, showing up on the hard days and that yep. grind, has that made you, like, have you learnt, way more from that than when things are going well. 100%. I think, and that's a hard thing too, is like when you go through so much um, of that grind or whatever you want to call it, like it does, you learn a lot, you create a lot of resilience and you create a lot of like, a lot of, yeah, you can essentially achieve a lot of stuff. Um, and I do, like the days, and, it, and definitely not just me, like I've had a lot of help along the way. I think that's been a big thing is like you get a, a support network around you and there's been people that have been that were there when the gym opened they helped me paint walls and there's been people there along the way that have continued just to show up and support and clap and all that kind of stuff so um but yeah if you can continue to show up through those pretty tough days you build a lot of resilience and you build a lot of um yeah belief in what you can achieve and that's all it takes and i've always been that analogy it's like um analogy it's kind of like investing it's like investing is obviously something that kind of takes time. And I always say it like a payday. It's like you'll do a lot of work, but like it's not the same where like you'll, you'll do your work for the week and then in the day you get your paycheck. It's like it's not really like that. It's like you'll work and you'll work and you'll work and you'll work and you'll sit there and be like, when am I going to get paid? Like what's going to happen? And then you're like, stuff, I'll just keep going. You keep working. And then all of a sudden you'll get this big payday and you're like, holy, what the hell? I wasn't expecting that. It's like it's never this perfect climb to the top it's always this yeah you'll chip away and things will kind of come a little bit later delay gratification whatever you want to call it like it just yeah that's always been my perspective i've had that a lot where we've had these we've done it collectively as a group we've spoken about it a couple times where it's like we're going to grind here for a little bit we're going to we're going to push things we're going to put the hammer down we're going to do some late nights and we'll collectively build a certain section of the business and it will it'll take time take time take time not a lot of result not a result not a result and then all of a sudden something will pop up like sweet we've made some progress so yeah. I'm interested in the business side of distractions being disguised as easy opportunities. Yeah. So by that, it's like just keep doing what you're doing, maybe not all the rewards because 
So distractions disguised as easy opportunities. So basically you see an opportunity, you're like, oh, that would be so easy. Or like maybe it's part of the the perform thing. You're like, oh, let's do this, let's do that. But bec- but you don't see the associated price tag and all the stuff you have to do it. Mm-hmm. So how have you been able to like concentrate on the journey and just stay stick to a few things and keep doing that without because for me when I'm doing this stuff it's very easy to get seduced by doing something else like oh that'll make me successful or this will make growth happen overnight but how do you sort of keep doing the same thing that makes you you I think errors at the start like we did it a couple times like we've tried a couple things within the business to get things moving or set something up in a certain style or run our model a certain way and it failed and I think that's one of my biggest ones is like the the failure side of things is always, and it's how you attach emotions to those failures is always one of the biggest ones. I'm very, I've been very quite lucky and I've had some, we can even talk about some work that I've had done myself, which has been pretty cool, but I've worked on it, but then also have been a big component of like being trying to manage my emotions towards certain things like failures and stuff like that. So I think that's been one of my biggest drivers is like being okay with having a crack at something but then obviously you don't repeat those habits on and on and on. So then as we've done that a couple of times at the start, I learned my lesson. And then I was like, that's when my philosophy has very much gone down to like this. And my guys get annoyed at me all the time. I was like, oh, let's go do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. Because obviously when it's cool from the outside. There's a lot of opportunity. We create a lot of things. But then like my perspective has come down to just one thing at a time. Mm. Just bring it back to that one thing. If we do that one thing really, really, really well, it will then lay up and open doors for the next things to open. But that solid foundation is very solid. Versus us trying to do 10 different things at once um, has, yeah, has been a big perspective. So how did you reframe the failure that you talk about? You, was you speaking to a mindset coach? Yeah. Psychologist? Yeah. Um, what sort of stuff did you do? If you're comfortable, share. Yeah. Have you heard of EMDR? EMDR. Yeah. No. So, I don't know. Uh, so it stand, do you know what it stands for? Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. No. I'm not sure if you heard it before. So it's like... It's a bit of a technique. So long story short, like one of the seminars we taught with my old company was was on. Like it was um, we, it was called When It's Not About The Food. So essentially it was one where we got a psychologist involved um, and we essentially spoke about how like there's a big portion of the population obviously overweight and a lot of that's not just tr- like because we had a group of personal trainers come in and we're like it's not just about training people. There's much more than that. That's obviously the headspace is a lot of things and what she kind of spoke about was like she had a lot of people in a clinic and she would talk to them and obviously there's a lot of background trauma and I'm sure that's popped up as a topic before like that had hindered these people and she would run through these stories about like this certain trauma would set something up and it's like I use the analogy like say for example a boy breaks up with a girl girl gets quite emotional girl will go eat ice cream even boy whatever it might be let's say girl breaks up with boy 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 goes and gets on alcohol smokes all that kind of stuff feels better um, and then that becomes his little safety network. I feel good. I feel happy. So we tie that emotion to that belief, whatever it might be. So long story short, she we taught that seminar, um, and that brought up a lot of things for me. And I was like, All right, I want to go do some work with this lady. And her lady's Nick Nick Symes. She's over in New Zealand. So I was very lucky that my company flew me over there, um, and I spent I think it would have been about a week over there, and we did a bunch of these sessions. And essentially, it's like. Um, she's with like eye motion it can feel like a little hoodoo voodoo but like they essentially she'll bring up like a certain so certain scenarios happened in your life so whatever traumatic event or whatever it might be and then you'll have a certain emotion that's attached to that 
certain situations that's happened. And what she basically does is tries to use your own mind to reprocess a new emotion to what's happened to that event. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. It's quite simple, but at the same time, obviously, she's qualified. And mm. if anyone knows anyone in Perth that does it, I would highly recommend trying to find one. But um, they, yeah, essentially try and reprocess it. So, like, I, as everybody else, have had certain stuff happen in life. And like even open share, like, for me, like, my old man said I'd never make it as a PT. So, like, that for me is, like, a big drive. It's like, all right, sweet. You never make it as PT. I then have this belief of, like, I'm not good enough, not going to make it, all that kind of stuff. So one of those big things was we worked on re- reattaching a new emotion to that. And it takes time to do it. Um, and I remember the first session which we did on that, and it took, like, three hours or something. And I remember, like, it was in New Zealand, finished the session, went back to the place I was staying at. I think it was, like, 7 p.m. Head hit the pillow, woke up at 7 a.m. And I was like the best sleep I've ever had in my entire life. Genuinely the best sleep because obviously as you go through life, you carry all these scenarios and situations and traumas and emotions and that kind of stuff. And they all carry, I always say like they carry weight. Um, And when you get that weight released off you, it's like, oh my God. It's like for me, we, I think we spent like three or four days or something just running over stuff. And it got to the point where like the last one I started to talk about sport. I just wanted to talk about certain, because like we went through and processed all this stuff and obviously I was very believing in it um and worked really well with her so we got to process a lot of things and um one of the big ones was obviously that where it's like that belief system of like i'm not good enough i can't do this like i can't achieve this and i worked really hard on those emotions and this was five or six years ago and i want to say that what i've achieved and what i've done is heavily to do with that because i don't have this voice in the side of my head saying no you're not good enough don't do it don't try it um they've been kind of backed off as much and it's yeah, like I've, I still thank her all the time. I still believe that she's been a big influence on what's happened, and it's, I do encourage people to look it up. It's quite interesting, and so they'll do it with like eye motion, or she'll do it with tapping, or whatever you can kind of handle, so to speak. Um, and it's just literally that, like they'll just bring up a certain event, you'll have a certain emotion attached to it, you have a certain grading that you have that emotion, and they'll slowly try and work that down, and they'll work it up to a new emotion that you want to attach to it. So, yeah, it was very interesting, but also. I owe a lot of my success to that and it's even if it's not I know you'd be a big component of this as well like even if it's not that certain style of um, management of what's happened in your life but going in and, and talking to people and processing that stuff and getting on top of it well I honestly think we could you could talk about all the techniques and all that kind of stuff but until you really work on that core stuff that's holding you back and got the handbrakes on like it'll yeah it'll keep spinning so as I feel like it's a well, thanks for sharing as well. Um, I feel like people have these traumas that happen, and it creates this story in their head, like these core beliefs about yeah. ourselves. And I think, basically, in a nutshell, th- this is allowing you to go back and reframe those limiting beliefs. And I think so many people carry them around; they don't even realize. And it's almost we almost like normalize having these voices, and that pe- people shouldn't live their lives with these burdens and this emotional weight. But it's I think because there's inadvertently because we speak so much about mental health and we're normalizing it also we need to also make sure that people realize that you got to do something about it as well and and take 100%. the action to 100%. and not just be like oh I have these fears insecurities like you shouldn't have to live your life with them just because we speak and normalize them it's that second step now like you did to take action yeah. and change your life 100% and that's it's got to be the biggest thing like encourage a lot of people to do it and as you said like we talk about it a lot but I think there's got to be action like I'm 
So one of my big things is like actions speaks very loudly and obviously it can be quite daunting, can be quite scary um, and that's where you get the right people around, you get the right support network, you talk to other people that have done it, you find someone that's good um, and you trust and then you start the motion from there. Um, but it's also one of those things and obviously I train athletes and I was even talking to one of, like i got a really good kid that I have under my wing at the moment and he's, he's he, like, he asked like unreal questions, he's deep and I told him about it and we were talking to the sense of like, because most people will have those handbrakes on, but then there's releasing the handbrakes and then from a sports side of things, there's then progressing further and using psychologists to further improve yourself. Because we know all the best of the best have a certain way of thinking, they have a certain mindset. So it's like, I encourage anybody that does struggle, like go and go do the work, try get all these handbrakes off, try process a lot of the stuff, try reattaching your emotions to it. Try get that belief back in yourself. But then from there, like, continue to use it. Like, go and ask for, like, I saw her five, six years ago. And I th- I literally remember, like, I had a consult with her. I was sitting in the car park at South Perth because I was halfway between two gyms that I was going to. And I think this was two or three years ago. And we did another session where we were just talking about my belief system about opening a gym and what was going on. And then also we kind of laid on top of that, like, how can I go further? Like what, what emotion should I try and attach to myself to try and like, she's like, all right, you want to do this with this? What's your, like, what's your belief behind this? So I highly encourage that as well. It's like work on it, build it. But then also there's, there's another layer where you can just this, yeah, the same way. I don't know what's another analogy you can use, but the same way you go and train sport Tuesday, Thursday, train the mind, mm. like build on top of it. I think it's, it's huge. So essentially like, I feel like we have an obsession with new things, like the novelty side of it, but it's also like I use the car analogy for that. So basically like if the car is our life and we're trying to get forward, we're constantly trying to put on the accelerator, like add new things. But these limiting beliefs are the handbrake. So if we can, you know, take that handbrake off, we're going to propel forward so much quicker and faster than we think. But also I'm interested in that your journey with that in terms of like when you go through something like that, sometimes there's also the thing like, well, then everything should be fine now. But it's but it's not like just because you've almost like, you know, retold a story and taken away that pressure from you, it's not an instant fix and there's still doubt and all those those voices can still come back. But is it how do you do you manage it differently now? Yeah, hundred percent. I think there's a there's a lot more awareness behind it. Um and I like I think there is parts obviously get processed quite well, but you're hundred percent right. It's like it's not like, oh, I go do my session, that's it, sweet. I'm, I'm sorted. <laughs> it's like there's gotta be some actions there. There's gonna be Yeah, there's gonna be it's not going to be fixed straight away. So I think it's got to be one of those things where you've, you'll figure your own strategy. Like I'm probably not versed enough to talk in this side of things, but like for me personally, it's just um, continuing to try and be aware of what goes on. I'm very aware of, um, try to be as much as I can, very aware of like my emotions, my actions, um, other people's emotions, actions around me and all that kind of stuff. And I try to be very aware of like patterns and scenarios that happen. So it's like if I'm doing something that, is hindering me, or is, is saying that maybe I don't believe in myself. I'm like, all right, sweet, why? Like, what's going on? And the same thing with my crew. Like, if someone is struggling to make a tackle or whatever it might be or struggling to, to achieve a certain lift, I'm like, why? What's going on? Like, I had it the other week with one of our girls. We were doing one rep max testing. And, like, she was walking across and I could see it in her face. She wasn't believing in herself to do it. And she walked across and I could see I was like, my head, I'm obviously not as an SNC going to be like, don't do it, like, or, like, halfway through, but... She got down, 
was box squat, sat there, and then just kind of like dropped it onto the pins. I was like, what was going through your head? And she was like, oh, I don't know, da, da, da. And I was like, did you believe that you could do that? And she was like, no. I was like, all right, this is something that we've got to try and build it. And I spoke about my perspective. like when I walk up to a bar, I'm like, I, as cheesy as trying to imagine myself finishing the rep. So what is a rep, top of the rep, whatever it might be, a clean, bottom of the squat, whatever it might be. And I just start trying to unpattern these things. And then from there, try and build a bit of belief system behind it. And same thing, if we're going to build Perform South, I want to see what that looks like. I've got that in my head. I've got some belief systems. Some doubts will pop in. i like, no, I'm going to have a crack on and keep going. So then that's what I said to her. I was like, you've got to now practice walking up to the bar, seeing yourself finish the reps, believing in yourself, and it's going to take time. So then when we test it's 12 weeks later, you're not trying to push your mindset at week 12. You're working on it mm. over 12 weeks to try and get it. So, yeah, yeah. no, I love that. How, how much have you learned from like there's, I feel like there's a lot of theory in studying and education, but when you get out into the, the real world, like you are, how much more do you learn from, from the people and, and all, from coaching <laughs> itself compared to what you learned, you know, in a textbook, which you do need for what, especially what you're doing with the human body and anatomy, but I guess there's a huge difference. Oh, a lot, but it, it's even one of those things where like people finish cert three, cert four, like I was saying before, finish sports science, get out, can't talk to people, can't resonate with people, can't. Um, see certain things that happen when a human body moves. Like I'm very much, I'm very much a love the theory side of things, but I'm very much the application side of things. Like I love one of the things is like watching people sprint, run around, change direction, all that kind of stuff. Like I love trying to dissect and analyze that on the fly um, and see those kind of things. But it's it's all aspects of training that I think you learn the most by application, mm. and it will. And it's it's experience it's over time um but again just goes back to what i was saying earlier was like that details detail side of things is where people get their value so if you can watch lots of human bodies moving you can obviously go through your theory you can start to apply it and blend it in together you can make some pretty quick changes in people so yeah how do you keep learning and not get complacent with whatever <laughs> what you already know because i feel like <sighs> it's like study for this amount and then you're in the real, real world and that's it. Like, you know, personal training, for example, but, or any, anything, how do you continue to learn? Because that is how you're going to become a better coach. You're going to learn more, but ha- I guess there's that balance, isn't it? Between like continuing to keep trying to learn much to, uh, more and more versus like applying what you know and the beliefs that you have. Yeah. And I've very much <laughs> probably just a bit of a, say gym guy it's not personal but like i think of everything like a periodization like training right it's the same thing i talk to my guys about like with their work it's like every 12 weeks i want you to think about having a break the same thing with study like study for, like for me i'm going to a course in melbourne next week i'm doing two pretty big online courses at the moment going to do a course next week and then after that it's application time i'm not going to go crazy deep like i'm doing a lot of lectures at the moment after next weekend it's into application so i think you've got to have those blends periodizations um whatever you want to call it like these phases of like i'm going to study quite hard and then i'm going to apply it and that's why i think a lot of people do get caught up is like they get caught up in the theory side of things and learning more and learning more and learning more and learning more but then you go back to square one that they learn they still can't apply it and it's like and apply it very well so i think you've got to split things up a little bit more but um and then also like I think what you're saying about like the ability to keep pushing and learning and 
furthering yourself is just coming back to that like when an 18, 19, 20 year old, whoever it might be, comes up and goes, um, yeah, this hurts, this hurts, or I need to get faster, whatever it's like, I want to have those answers for him. So for me to have that, and it happens like the more, the bigger and bigger the population you work with, the more things you start to see. And you see more variation and more things that are outside of the textbook. You're like, oh, I haven't seen this before. It's like, oh, that's not in the textbook. How am I going to find this? So you have to start getting wider and wider and wider. So I mean, that's always been my thing is like, and it is, it's motivated a lot from my old mentor. He was one of these guys that just knew everything. It was like, he genuinely like <laughs> nearly knew everything. It was, it was nuts. But like, but you could see people trust him and you could see people walk up to him, ask him a question, have the answer. And then he'll sit there on a whiteboard for half an hour and lay it out for him until they understood what it was. And you're like, and I was watching this and going, oh, wow, okay. And you could see the trust and the bind in their face and they could achieve it and they'd, they'd get what they wanted to get. So um, I think a lot of it stems from that ability just to help people. And it's like, if you sit there and if someone asks you a question and not lie and say, yeah, I kind of know, yeah, I think it's this. Like I go, I don't know, I'm going to go find out mm. and actually go and find out. I think that's where it keeps you motivated to continue to learn. To fully understand something, you must be able to teach it. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, 100%. Like my old mentor used to say, like, you can't teach it to a five-year-old, you don't understand it. Mm. Like you've got to be able to really understand something and then be able to grab that deep, in-depth knowledge. Like I'm learning some stuff. Sorry, a bit far away from it. I'm learning some stuff in the moment. I'm doing some work. Um, and some of the stuff is like whoosh over my head I'm like what the hell mm. so before I start applying this deeper I'm like I've really got to try and understand this and as I start to understand certain pieces is then start to simplify it to my athletes because that's the end target of what I'm trying to get is all I need to do is make sure that human body moves like this Yeah, I need to get this in depth and take it down but you don't want to rush it but I, f- I catch myself in that trap sometimes like I, I do too you're learning something and you're like because as it's a human thing you want to, you learn something you become sort of becoming expert in saying and then you want to make an impact with what you know and yep. help other people but it, you can't rush that process because then it's like if you don't fully understand it you might yeah the message might get 100% I think there's got to be that there's that blended it's not like a fine line there's like a blended line where it's like you've learned something new you don't fully understand it as long as it's safe you start to practice I always say like especially in training side of things do like do it on yourself first mm. You've got to know what it feels like. You've got to do a certain conditioning protocol. You've got to do a certain lift method, whatever it might be. Like try it on yourself first. See what it's like. See, did I go too heavy here, too light here? Did I push too hard on the bike here? Do I need to hold myself back? Start to feel that a little bit more. And then once you start to fully understand it, then you can start to slowly apply it in small doses. And then from there, as you truly, truly, truly use it, then you can start to use it with a broader population. So... It is. It's one of one of those hard things where like you start to equip yourself with new tools and you want to use it, but you like just hold back, make sure you fully get it, and then start is that, using it. Is that very beneficial then that you're also an athlete, tr- like you get to train yourself and yeah. try these things? Because I feel like if you're not doing them yourself, it's pretty hard to fully understand it if you're not even yeah doing it. Yeah, and there's there's even like even a big confidence element. Like I know with a lot of stuff that we do, like could be Olympic lifting, it could be conditioning, it could be certain elements of running technique. Like, again, you go into a Revo Fitness and Revo whatever gym you want to go into and, like, people are jumping, doing running technique. Like, it's just it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit uncomfortable. But if you have someone there that can really help you through it, um, who has done it themselves and knows, like, because all I need in my back pocket is one or two cues. 
I don't need to be super technical. So if you're doing this for the first time, there's a little bit of elements of like making you feel calm, making you feel safe. And if you make an error, who cares? doesn't matter. That's not the point. And then it's like, sweet, just focus on this and they'll start to get it. So it's just trying to have that kind of setup and scenario for them. How important is it? You've sort of alluded to it, like the simplicity of it. I feel like especially with the mind stuff I'm going into, it's so much information. There's <laughs> so much, but ultimately having too much information can be a burden. It's the curse of knowledge, Stephen Pinkner. Like sometimes simplicity wins out because it's just clear in your head, like, oh, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. But having so much to do, you just you overthink something. Yeah, hundred percent. And we we have this model, like a lot of SNCs, not like the constraint based model, where it's like we there's a big thing of trying to use the exercise to give the athlete the cue. Because if you're focusing on like a movement side of things, and then you're trying to focus on information, words coming in, and then you're trying to focus on the movements that I'm doing, it's too much information to process in a short period of time. So that's why even for me, like if I'm doing a running technique with someone, I say this to my guys is like, don't talk. Like literally if you go up to them and go like, hey, do this. Don't, like don't not knees here, feet here, do this, all that kind of stuff. Like if you simplify it a lot, they'll, their ability to process this information can switch on a lot quicker. Because mm. I'm coaching them in their, what they're able to process right now. So like if we can, the whole industry does it, we our industry does a lot where we over cue and we just, we want our voices heard and scream and yeah, buddy, woo, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and like literally it's like sometimes the best thing you can do as a coach is say nothing because your job is just to set this athlete up with the best tools to, to do the job. Right. So sometimes that's going to come from, and I encourage essence, like the SNC does is a fair bit at the moment, but even the PT industry, like try your best to just bring the words back a little bit. If you're trying to get someone to improve a new skill, see what you can do to either adjust the environment around them. Maybe it's exercise that you've given them. Do we need to regress it, progress it, whatever it might be, and see if you can simplify. Sometimes, like I might doing it, I'm not going to stand up and do an RDL, but if I'm doing like a hinge movement, I will literally be like leg straight. So like, look at my leg, do this, and then I'll silently. It's awkward as a PT. It's like <laughs> the most awkwardest thing in hell. We always want to talk or SNCs, whatever but just silently just moving and showing them. They're like, okay, I can do that. Versus, okay, sweet, do this, bend your knee, leg back straight, focus here. And like, they're trying to process the words that you've said, let alone not even looking at what you're doing mm. and trying to gather that. So yeah, keep it simple, 100%. It feels like there's a bit of a communication mismatch. Like, yeah. it's like when people have, people overthink or negatively react to a situation and people in the mental side try and advise to like think differently about it. But you're trying to outthink a feeling problem. It's not going to work. You have to sort of work to their to the way that they're processing it. And the visual cues are different to like the thought cues. So if I see you doing it, my brain is trying to get a correspondence between my movements and your movements. Mm -hmm. But when you start speaking, you're trying to process the words and then apply them. So it's like the words to the movements rather than corresponding the visual motor cues to your motor cues. Yeah, 100%. And it's very, I feel like when I've tried to do stuff, it's very like, it's a, it's a, a lot of these lifts, are, the movements are natural because it's like a safe position for the body. So it's, it's sort of flowy. And I feel like when you get words here, it can take away the, um, the, the natural flow of 100%. it. 100%. It is. And even watch it like, I use this analogy, like, when training athletes and giving them a new skill, because 
the way our brain works, obviously we take time to process things and do it. So like, again, I'm going to use like a running technique analogy, but like if someone goes and they're doing an A skip or whatever it is, leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Let them get it wrong. Because <laughs> what will happen is they'll start to like, and you'll see them, like they'll either stop and get frustrated or whatever. I mean, like they know inherently at a low level, like that wasn't that right. And I'll like, I'll let them do their movement. I'm like, just keep going. Just keep going. Sweet, keep going. Like, and they'll slowly start to, all right, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out kind of thing. And yeah, it's like, let, let people just practice and move and let them, fa- like give them a couple, as long as it's not like a one RM squat or something like that. <laughs> like don't let them hurt themselves. But as long as it's within a safe environment, like try and let people fail, let people organize things in their brain and themselves, like, especially in sport. Like I can't stand out there while you're chasing down a footy or you're trying to tackle someone, but oh, just like bend your knees, like uh, hips yeah. here, do this. Like it doesn't, human movement doesn't work like that. It's very reactive to what's happening to the snare in front of us. So it's like the more I can equip someone with the abilities to also, and I use this a little bit like to self-regulate, self-manage themselves, the better athlete I'm going to create. Mm. So I think that's a big one. I was reading a book about sort of resilience and like how coaches are very can be like do this do this do this but it doesn't give the athletes that opportunity to exercise their own agency and their own control like you said to be able to regulate so it's like you've you you have this relationship with and you're like communicating back and forth and then they get on the field and i don't know what to do i haven't practiced working things out for myself what the fuck do i do and that's and that's what happens this is this is where you get to high performance and this ability to equip your athletes, and this is obviously talking to a coach standpoint, but like equip your athletes with the knowledge to self-manage, like whatever it might be. But yeah, like there could be, you don't want these scenarios where it's like a couple points to go. You look into the coach to try and give you the answers of what's trying to go on. Like sometimes you're going to be in open play and as an athlete, you need to on the fly, see a scenario, call a call and back yourself in that call to then do what you need to do. So hundred percent like coaching is another realm where it's like it's just over there's too much reliance on the coach mm. and the really good coaches will equip the athletes with all the tools and the knowledge again just to to do their job and then they start to build confidence and like their game iq goes up they understand the game a lot more and like that side of things where they can yeah they're the ones out in the field at the end of the day what do you think sort of diverging off what do you think are some big philosophies that you've noticed that are in the successful athletes that you've coached that you've seen make big transformations. What have some are like the consistent themes in their mindset and application? Um, a couple of things, a little bit generic, but I think you said one there's like consistency. I don't know how to word this, but like, I think the ability to continue to turn up, something kind of like we were saying before. Discipline? Like discipline. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and where that discipline's being driven from, who knows? And like, that's also for us, like it, we, and I say this all the time, like we build these, we got some pretty cool athletes, some pretty freaks that come in. It's like, I don't really build them. Like I've got an analogy. One of our boys, like Clay, he's just, dude's a massive dude. <laughs> he's genetic freak. Yeah. I love him to like love Clay. And I say this to him all the time. It's like, I'm not building you. I'm just stopping you from hurting yourself. <laughs> like he is in, in himself. Like, but here's another analogy where like he has this burning desire and he's been chasing a pro contract for a while. He's been pushing, pushing, pushing and he just keeps turning up and he keeps turning up and he keeps turning up and it's like, this dude won't give up and he's been pushing, pushing, pushing and then there's other athletes and even from lower levels, higher levels and like that's the biggest thing is 
is that ability to continue to turn up, to continue to push, continue to um, seek. Like even the guy, that was, the kid that I was talking about before who was asking the really good questions, like that's another one, like the desire for knowledge and education, like that to equip yourself to make yourself better. I think that's a big one as well. Um, and then, yeah, I think they're probably two of the biggest ones. I can't really think of off the top of my head. But What about a willingness to learn from other people? I feel yeah. like the ego side, like some people like they've achieved X and then they're like, oh, I I don't really need your expertise. But I g- yeah, guess maybe. Yeah, I yeah. You know, yeah that, I think that's true. Like that's why like one of there's a, there's, I think it's why you'll see, like I've just picked up someone now um, who does speedway racing and he's been, he's world champ, he's been doing it for years and he's a thing where like he's, he goes in, each time he comes back from off season, he wants to try something different because he wants to learn new stuff. He wants to achieve different stuff. Is this time? Yeah. 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 So like. I, he's been on my potty. Oh, perfect. Yeah. He, um, he, yeah. And he comes in. That's one thing I've noticed with him is like, he's constantly learning and trying to achieve yeah. more and more and more. And that's why he had a different approach from other SNCs, a different approach from his SNCs in, in the UK and everything like that. Um, and yeah, that desire to continue to build and learn and learn more stuff. And he always asks questions and he's he's been an athlete his whole life, but like we have convos about like VO2 Max and all these kind of stuff. And I was like, he's got a lot of knowledge, but obviously that knowledge has supported him and driven him to continue to, that's why he comes back and he's on off season, but he's straight into the gym. He's like, I know I need to get my body ready. I need to get my need to do this with my body. Da da da. I need to get stuck into it because he knows from that education mm. side of things. Yeah, he's got a seriously good mindset. He's, yeah, yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I asked. I had this young PT come on the other week and I asked him six exercises if he could only use six exercises forever. But you, you're more of an athlete coach, strength and conditioning coach. So mine is. If you could only pick six gym exercises for, oh God. for an <laughs> AFL player to use, um, and it might okay, okay, maybe pick me because yeah. there might be individual difference. I'm sort of a uh, tall backman. Mm-hmm. What do you pick and why? Oh God, <laughs> this is like picking your favorite children. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess that'll come down to conversations in terms of like depends what level you're at, all that kind of stuff. But what's and is this like a forever thing or is this like a just what you need right now? Um, you're overthinking it. Um, okay, just if I if I had to do it for the next 10 years, because yep. let you know, just like what do you think would make a good like? Um, could give you a tall boy trap by deadlift. Could be one. Um, I'd give you some kind of plyometric variation if we're able to use jumping and stuff like that, yep, bounding, yep, stuff yep, like anything, that. yeah. Uh, I'll give you a bicep curl because it probably yeah. didn't happen throughout the entire time. 100%. Yeah. Um, I'd give you something for your hamstrings, whether it be like a single leg, single GHD extension, ISO hole, wherever it might be. Um, I'd try and give you something for your calves because obviously there's a lot of running going on. Um, five. Give you, and then I'll probably give you bench press because you'll oh, enjoy yeah. that as well. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like it. <laughs> Do you have – is there a lot of misconceptions that people come in and they almost like they want – to do the bodybuilding exercises, but you sort of have to educate them around like intentional training, plyometric training, athlete training. Cause like having big biceps 
only helps like a bit, it's very limited in self confidence yeah <laughs> oh but like feeling good yeah yeah uh, i mean like how have you been how do you sort of educate those misconceptions people, do people come in and they're like sort of like have that bodybuilder mindset yeah i know i've been there before we um we we are lucky enough to the, be the providers of strength and conditioning for trinity college and this is a perfect example so we got a boys school there from year 7 through to year 12 and what do you think boys that want to do at that age, want to do training, bicep curls <laughs> and chest press. That's all they want to do, and it is, and it's it's a tough one to do. But I think it comes back to again that explanation. It, and this is where people can take it quite generic. But if one of those kids come in and they do, like we have a program set out from, and our biggest thing is like we just want you to complete this program, and then you can do whatever you want. You can do bicep curls, you can do chest press. I will guide you and I'll show you how to do it properly, and I'll manage your volume as best as I can. So we're not, excuse me, we're not doing anything too crazy with our volume or anything like that um but i think it is vitally important that especially from the younger age and even just people getting into it for the first time you've got to diversitize and and get variety in your movement capabilities um and going back to what i was saying is like when the kids come in and they go oh i just want to do this or i've got this program or i found on bodybuilding.com or whatever it's like <laughs> i've then got to bring it back to like what are you doing what sport are you playing why are you here and then i've just got to just PT, S&C 101, this is why you're doing it. It's like, sweet, I'm going to start you off with a bit of like hip, hip mobility, whatever it might be, or I'm going to start you with a bit of stability, or I'm going to start you off with a simple squat pattern because I want you to be able to create force to the floor, or I'm going to teach you how to jump because this is going to help with general transfer into your running and getting you faster and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it is a little bit difficult, but I think you've got to give them what they want and give them what they need, mm. and then also, again, bring it back to why this is important for them and and that's the good thing about training and exercise. There's so many different variations. And especially in sports, like we don't need, as that's, that's why I was saying it's a hard question mm. in terms of six exercises. Like someone might be taller, someone might be shorter, someone might get a trap bar, someone might get a squat. Someone might hate trap bars. I'll give you a different variation to put force to the floor. Like I'm looking for a general quality that I'm trying to achieve. So it's like if someone genuinely hates this movement, then I'm like, so I'm going to find something a little bit different, similar. That'll achieve that general quality that I'm trying to achieve. Yeah, so, so. many ways to get there. Yeah. What's your best advice for young athletes wanting to make it pro? Oh, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask. Come to perform? <laughs> no. no. Um, oh, I think the biggest, there's a, there'll be a couple of things. Like obviously, yeah, like the physical development's a big piece of it. Um, and you, I think the best one to be is like go ask or go talk to someone who's been pro and ask the questions. And I guarantee you like you go to the guys that are 30s, in their th early 30s, whatever it might be, and they'll tell you, like, look after your body, which is going to be number one. Um, then you've got other things in terms of, like, get a mentor. Like, get a mentor in terms of, like, you might have some mentorship, like, we might give them little pieces of advice, but someone that's similar to what they've done or someone they know, like, I always say that, like, one of my boys sent me his goals last week or the week before, and, like, he wanted to be captain of his team for next year, and I was like, sweet, go get a coffee with someone who's been a captain at your club before, or has done what you've done and asked those questions. Um, learn about nutrition. 1,000% learn about nutrition. Um, and then that probably that third big pillar is like learn about this. Mm. Learn about your mind. Like learn what, learn what gets you motivated. Learn what gets you up to go. Learn how you deal with pressure. Learn how you deal with uh, when you are tired, fatigued, all that kind of stuff. Like what qualities have you got? 
And sometimes it helps just going into a new environment, being around other people that'll push you and motivate you and, and give you a different perspective on it. But I think that's kind of the big ones is, yeah, training, nutrition, mindset, and then obviously a mentor would be big. We speak a lot about like the physical training and the mindset, but how important and maybe some general sort of things around like um, nutrition and sleep and how important they are. Because I feel like anyone who goes into the gym, it's like, let's just like smash myself. But like if you're not recovering properly, like that's where like injury comes into play and you're not maximizing your gains and it's not a sustainable method. 100%. And this is the one of the biggest issues with athletes and something that we eventually want to try and help a lot more in is like you look at most athletes and a lot of them and this is obviously very generic but a lot of them under eat it's quite common like the i always do this with our athletes like i'll get a whiteboard out and i'll draw on the graph and you've everyone's seen that like energy in energy out kind of equation obviously there's a bit more to it than that but i'll see this graph and we'll calculate it i can do a quick calculation on the phone and look how much calories you're expending and like the output bar will be like up here and go sweet let's have a bit of a talk about your food da 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 and then the energy input will be down here Mm. and it's like when you break down this um like what you're feeding for essentially when you come in because you've got like like your bmr you got these like thermic effect of food uh, exercise activity all this kind of stuff like there's some baseline functions in the body that you got to feed for but the difference with athletes and the general population. So if I had a graph here, sorry, I don't have a graph, but like you have like your BMR, um, you have thermic effect of food, you have like non, um, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, like you're walking and stuff. So there's like a big bar, smaller bar, smaller bar, and then there's that last bar, which is EAT, which is exercise activity. So that bar in normal people probably be this big, in athletes is like mm. this big. Because you're training like anywhere from six to 12 sessions a week of high-intensity exercise. So I draw up this graph and I'll be like, sweet, this is where you should be. Well, this is what you're expending. This is where you are. This is why you're getting niggles, you're irritable, you're moody, you can't sleep at night, um, you're not recovering very well. You might have that little sprain in your ankle, but the tissue is just not healing because you're not mm. getting enough protein in like, or energy calories in as well. So it's like, and usually before that, I kind of ask them, what's some symptoms? What have you got? What do you need to work on kind of thing? And you can, I can literally relate it back to what's going on from there. So I think if an athlete can start to learn about the basis of energy balance and getting that food in and some basic sources to get in your carbohydrates and everything like that, you can make a big impact. And then that even just ties in with the mindset side of things is like your motivation probably dips off pretty quick because you're just fatigued and you're tired. Mm. And then you'll probably just relate that to being, oh, I'm just not motivated, not driven, but it's, there's a lot more to it. How do you help athletes overcome injuries? Because I feel like someone comes to you they see progress, it's all positive, but then they get that first setback and it's and I just feel like that is so pivotal pivotal in their journey to being able to become a good long athlete because most athletes are gonna come with injuries, but mm-hmm. I feel like anyone well not anyone's probably a bit of a stretch, but most people when things are easy, it's it's easy to be in a good, happy mood. You're making progress, but then when you have that setback, that's when it really tests your mindset. Yeah, hundred percent. And we'll we're very like we've got a we've got a physiotherapist at our gym, Jess, who's incredible. And I think we're quite lucky with Jess in terms of she's been a high level athlete herself. So the biggest one there has been able to resonate with the athlete and what they're feeling because it is like it sucks. You are on a high. You could be playing very well. You could have done this big preseason, off season, 
And you hear about it all the time, like you hear about, especially in the AFL work, it could be ACLs, hamstrings, whatever it might be. You could get two or three weeks into the season and do something like that. And there goes either half or all of your season. And then a lot of people on the outside will be like, oh, sweet, ACL, nine months, sweet, I'll be back next year. So that's a long time. Mm. And there's a lot of mental hurdles that you've got to go over to get back to where you were. And then when you get back to where you were, it's like there's even hesitation potentially in the back of your mind about could it happen again? So it's like I think you've the ability to resonate with them is a big one because um, I know there's a lot of athletes that have probably listen to this and be like, yeah, I had an injury and it can be creating for a lot of people, mm. like whether it's immediate or over the longer term, like it could be something that did it and then it just, it just, that's that flame just, that's the sparks just gone and they've got to do this big long process. They come back, they don't feel themselves, they're not performing as well and it just takes some time. So like we're, quite lucky with our physio in terms of Jess in terms of she's got that ability to resonate with the athlete so I think that's one like being able to try and find someone but then throughout that process the constant check-ins the constant like help on that side of things and again that's another big motivator is like going back to learning as much as you can and having these answers like getting someone back to there's a difference between getting someone back to play and getting someone back to perform which are two different things you can you can get someone pain-free and and get them walking back onto the field and playing and yeah, doing okay. But then you can get someone back and performing at their best. And there's a bit of a gap between those two. So the industry, like the physiotherapy return of sport world is doing incredible with this at the moment. There's a lot of progress, a lot of movement in this side of things, but um, yeah, it is, can be quite a um, struggle for a lot of athletes. One thing I, I, th- I think is important is like, if you're not tracking, you're just guessing sort of thing. Like how important do you find like getting, like quantifying all the training? Yeah, a fair bit. Definitely a fair bit. Like you want to, you want to have some, because that's obviously the difference between subjective and objective. It's like you want to have some objective numbers that are telling us what's going on because it could be one of those things where you could be, again, you can use the analogies like the HRV and the whoop bands and the readiness and all this kind of stuff and you can get people that'll, um, it's kind of a little bit vice first, but either way, you can, you can get someone that's not feeling the best, or um, yeah, not feeling the best. But then, from an actual performance recovery standpoint, if you look a little bit more objectively, they're feeling quite good, or the metrics are in a good place. Um, and then that other side of things of like, in terms of tracking progress, tracking performance, tracking metrics, ensuring that progress is going on, because you will, you can get these subjective qualities of I'm moving better, feeling better, feeling faster. But I think for an athlete, when they see those numbers there and it's like my 40-meter sprint went from a 5.6 down to 5.4. It's like that's hard numbers. They can go, oh, sweet, I can see that. Um, so 100%, like the, the objective side of things plays a big role, especially in our field, plays a huge role um, in terms of, yeah, that and then just identifying norms and all that kind of stuff as well. Why do you think it's so important to have a coach? I feel like... Everyone's like, oh, the freedom, I get to do what I want. But then that freedom, I feel like, can actually become a burden. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, in terms of why to get a coach, I think it's just my biggest thing is always accuracy. It's like you could be, again, use car analogy, whatever you want to use, like you could be driving with the car quite fogged up and you don't know really where you're going or you could get someone to jump in the car with you and kind of like help direct you and tell exactly where to go. Um and that's where you've got to find that mix as well. Like you, coaching should hopefully never feel like this thing where it's like I don't have freedom or I don't, 
I feel like I'm controlled in every single variable. There's obviously the highest level of performance, which it gets controlled quite heavily, but for most of the population, like, again, giving people stuff they want, if they want to train their arms a little bit, want to get a bit of pump, it's not hindering on their performance <laughs> or anything like that, but it makes them feel good, like, that stuff can definitely be added in. What's your favourite quote? Favourite quote? <laughs> I don't know if I have one. I might be a little bit biased and say, like, our logo our analogies like my outcome is based on how I perform I don't know if I can use that as a quote or not so what does what does that mean my outcome so is like obviously based the definition of performance like my outcome is based on how I perform so like everything that I achieve is based on me and what I do so we have it up on our wall at HQ in terms of like perform um, what it means kind of thing and then just like a quotation underneath in terms of like a definition for it is that like my outcome and what I achieve is based on everything that I do. I think it's a lot of like self-responsibility. And again, I use this in terms of the business and the gym, like everything that the perform achieve has a big weight on obviously collectively as a group, but everything I do from day to day has an influence. My athletes wanting to get into a representative team, like everything's based off what they do. Like, so there's that self-responsibility, that self-drive, but then also that self-ownership of what we do. Um, is huge since yeah, it's probably I'm, yeah, I haven't got really many quotes nah, like, on my head, but yeah, yeah that's nah, that's something good. that I would use. I like that. All right, that's pretty much it. Unless there's anything else you want to quickly touch on, I think that's covered most of my my side of things. All right, well, thanks for coming on. <laughs> I'm sure whoever listens going to get a lot out of that. I definitely will, I especially so. listening back to it again. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Easy, thanks guys, appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Really loved learning from Isaac and I love what his gym is all about. And he has a lot to offer, not only from this episode, but in his gyms. If you are an athlete or just looking to improve in the gym in some way, I can guarantee you are in great hands going to see Isaac and anyone at Perform HQ. Thank you again and I'll see you in the next one. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.